Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am your host, Hayden Grove, joined, as always, by our Cavaliers beat reporter, Mr. Chris Fedor, who has spent the last, uh, what was it, about a week on the road with the Cavaliers? Did it, was it about a week, six days? Yeah, six days. Six long days. Yes, six long days and a lot of traffic, from what I hear, uh, in <laughs> Chicago. A lot of traffic and very little sleep. Ugh, terrible. Terrible. The St. Patrick's Day parade going on in... Uh, yes. Chicago this weekend and the river is green. I mean, that's got to be cool. I know it's tough to, you know, I know it's tough with the traffic and the time and everything, but it had to be cool to see it. I'm sure you've seen it before. I actually haven't seen it in person before. It's oh, funny because I was talking to somebody with the Cavs um, before the game the other night in Chicago, and they brought up the fact that a couple of years ago, I don't remember exactly which which year it was, but but during the LeBron era, the Cavs played in Chicago on St. Patrick's Day. Yes, uh, I, I have I have absolutely no recollection of that. Um, so I don't know if that was the second game of a back to back. I don't know if I got in really, really late, um, but I, I absolutely have no recollection of that. And I didn't do anything in Chicago, apparently, during that time. So because we were there this time and I had an opportunity to go see it in person, I would. And I was taking pictures. I didn't care. Like, I actually um, bypassed a longer nap so that I could go see it in person because I think it's one of the things that you have to take advantage of if you're going to be there around the time that the river is green. It was unbelievably bright. It looked like high C ecto cooler, but I'm really <laughs> glad that I was there during that time. That's awesome. High C ecto cooler yeah. is exactly how I would describe right? it at the pictures. Yep. Yeah. I, Yes, that's exactly how I would describe it. I haven't, I've never seen it either. I have never seen, I've never been to Chicago around that time. So um, yep. pretty interesting, but uh, certainly I can imagine the traffic being horrible, but I think it's for a good cause. I mean, good reason. People are enjoying themselves. I think it's great that we're kind of getting back to, I mean, I, you know, I know we still have to be cognizant of COVID, but I think that, you know, I think that it's good that we're kind of getting back to what was, you know, pre-COVID normal slowly, but surely. Um yeah, man, I just think it's I think it's one of those things that you just have to learn how to live with. Right. Because it's just going to be around just like the flu was. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, the bad news for the Cavaliers. Good news for Chris. He got to see the the, the Green River. <laughs> bad news for the Cavaliers. They lose to the Chicago Bulls and they have, you know, they've been decimated by injuries. I mean, Jared Allen, the latest to go down. Karis LeVert still out. 
Um, you know, Darius Garland was out with the back for a while. I mean, they've just been, you know, massacred by injuries this year. Uh, Cleveland currently the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference at 38 and 29. They are six games behind the Miami Heat. Um, over their last uh, 10, they are three and seven. They've lost two in a row. I think, Chris, the thing that you look at with this Cavs team is, you know, they still continue to fight. They still continue to play hard, but it's it's tough when you're missing two of your, you know, better players in Karis LeVert and, J- and Jared Allen. I mean, you know, defen- defensively with uh, with Jared Allen, it's been, um, you know, it's been a little bit of a tough time. So what do you think about these injuries? Karis LeVert, could he be back soon? What are they doing with Jared Allen? You know, they just need these guys back. Yeah, I mean, it's really, really tough because I, I think the way that I can best put it, Hayden, is, and look, J.B. Bickerstaff has been delivering a specific message that now the players are echoing, which is we don't have time to cry about it. We've got 15 games left and we're fighting for a playoff spot. We can't focus on what we don't have. We've got to focus on what we do have. And that's fine. That's the right approach to take. You have to have that kind of mentality. You have to Remain confident. You have to keep these guys believing if you're J.B. Bickerstaff. But there's a truth here, right? I mean, it's not an excuse. It's an explanation for why the Cavs haven't been nearly as good in the second half of the season as they were in the first half of the season. The truth is the number of injuries has exceeded the ability of J.B. Bickerstaff to coach his way through it. I mean, he's doing the best he can. The players are doing the best they can. But when you're talking about the next man up being guide number 15 or 16 on the roster, like, what are you supposed to do? You're going to get these diminishing results. You're going to get these losses, especially against these upper echelon teams. Miami and Chicago are are playoff teams. Um, They might actually be hosting home games. Both of them might be hosting home games when the playoffs roll around. So when you're playing Ed Davis 10 to 12 minutes, You just have to try and survive those minutes. It's a lot different if Evan Mobley is playing backup center as opposed to starting center. You know what I mean? So, like, you can sit there and you can say next man up and we have to go with what we have. But sometimes what you have just isn't going to be good enough against some of these teams. Um, In saying that, you know, it's interesting when it comes to Karis LeVert because he's past the two-week threshold at this point in time. I saw him before the game against Indy. I saw him before the game against Chicago. Him and I touched base briefly, and he kept saying that he was feeling good and he was feeling better. And the way that a source phrased it to me following the Chicago game was that he is going to be back sooner rather than later. And it could be, emphasis on could, it could be tonight against the Clippers. Um, He is listed as questionable on the injury report which represents a a step up, I guess, from what he was recently, where it was out going into a lot of these games. Um, he has been able to do some of these uh, pregame workouts. Now, they haven't been extensive and they haven't been strenuous, but um, it, it shows that he's able to do some things. Um, it is a foot, though, so the Cavs obviously have been taking a cautious approach. When it comes to Jared Allen, Jetty Osman said the other night um, following the Chicago loss that the Cavs have to be prepared to be without Jarrett for a couple more weeks. Um, now, Jetty's not breaking news here or anything along those lines, but that's the first time that any kind of player has put a general time frame attached to Jared Allen. 
Um, but the organization is not going to, Hayden, because here's the truth. Um, from everything that I've been told, his finger, his finger isn't like busted structurally to a point where he needs surgery. He met with multiple doctors. Both doctors that he met with said the same thing. It's not an injury that is going to require surgery. Um, it is going to heal on its own. But when you're talking about a fractured finger healing on its own, like there are a lot of different factors that come into play with that. And it's very, very difficult to predict when that finger is going to heal. It's very different for whoever the person is. Jared's 23 years old. He does have a history of recovering quicker. Maybe that's something that is going to be on the side of the Cavs. Um, nobody in the organization believes that that he is going to be out for the remainder of the season. But there are only 15 games left, and he's got a fractured finger that has a lot of swelling in it right now. So until that goes down, until the treatment starts working, the time off starts working, it's hard for anybody to say, okay, this is the game where Jared Allen's going to be back, or he's going to be back in time for the final road trip against Orlando and Brooklyn, or he's going to be back in time for the regular season finale against Milwaukee. Nobody can put a timetable on that sort of thing because it's all about how does this fractured finger heal on its own? Um, so the Cavs just have to find a way to stay afloat without him. And this year, Hayden, like if you want to talk about the value of Jared Allen and all the different things that he brings offensively and defensively, here you go. They're three and eight without Jared Allen in the lineup. Yeah, that's no coincidence. I mean, certainly he brings defensive something that the Cavaliers desperately need uh, and they're not getting right now. So, you know, they're with the finger. Is it do we know what hand it is? It's the left hand. It's the left middle finger. So it's its non shooting hand. OK, OK. I mean, it's still got to be a tough situation. You know, he's got to be feeling it pretty hard. I mean, I, you know, you, you, I guess my thought is that like, oh, a finger, he can play through it. But at the same time, like <laughs> you don't you don't want to you know, you don't want to play through it and cause more injury. And then, you know, it, I get it. I get it from Jared Allen's perspective. You know, it's it's one of those things to where, you know, the, you got to be healthy going into the playoffs. And and if they want to get the, the problem is, though, if they want to get to the playoffs, they got to play better basketball. And they're not going to play much better basketball if they don't have Jared Allen. So it's kind of a tough, yeah. like, tough catch 22 there. And then there's the other thing. And we've talked about this before on the podcast, Hayden. There is a difference between being healthy enough to play, going out there and trying to play through an injury and right. being effective doing that. And if the Cavs don't feel like Jarrett can be effective, and if he doesn't feel like he can be effective, and all the doctors say what he needs is time, rest, rehab, and recovery to get this thing to a point where it's not going to linger, where it's not going to uh, make him ineffective in a potential postseason series. If all of the people are saying the same things to you about what's required for you to get back to an effective level, what are you going to do? You're going to listen and you're going to hope that there's enough time here in the regular season, 15 games, about a month, a little less than a month at this point in time, that that's enough time for your finger to recover and heal on its own. Right. Right. And you can never, you know, you can never put yourself in somebody else's shoes and how they're feeling. So the, the bottom line is that you hope, you know, Jared Allen gets better sooner than later because the Cavaliers need him. They need him. I mean, he's an all-star, tremendous defensively, offensively helps as well. So, 
there is no doubt that the Cavaliers are a much better team with him on the floor. And Karis LeVert, too, I mean, again, again, we kind of got a little bit of a taste of Karis LeVert, and then, you know, all-star break comes and he has the foot issue. Um, I want to see more of Karis LeVert. I think, it, you know, it's oh. it's – I think the Cavs do, too, obviously. One of the things that J.B. Bickerstaff said going into the second half of the season that was most important for the Cavs to figure out, Hayden, was Karis LeVert's role and just how he was going to fit alongside Darius Garland, whether he was going to be in the starting lineup or continue to come off the bench, whether he was going to close games or be on the bench when it was closing time. The only way for the Cavs to learn these things about Karis is by actually putting him on the court and, and continuing to experiment and trying him in different positions and with a bunch of different players, and they haven't had the opportunity. Now, there's still time, as we've said, 15 games remaining in the regular season, but JB admitted the other day to me, um, following one of the practices in Miami, he said, look, because of where we are um, in terms of the season and how many games are remaining, we're going to have to simplify his role. And that's not what the Cavs expected. That's not what the Cavs wanted. Players were talking about Karras being the missing piece. Um, the organization was talking about the kind of impact that Karras was going to have, and he was going to be a difference maker for them. And he can still be that. But I just think they lost a lot of time to go through and work through some of the growing pains that they needed um, before these games down the stretch and before what they hope is a playoff series. Now they have to figure all of these things out on the fly in what have become must-win games for their playoff chances. It's not an ideal situation. Um, it's the situation that they're presented, and they're going to work through it, and Karras is going to be important to their success to finish the season and when they get to the playoffs, but there's no doubt about it. Um one of the goals of, of this second half of the season is not going to be reached because he just missed too much time. Right. Uh, it, it kind of, maybe it's a little bit of just regression to the mean. I mean, the Cavs had such a good first half. They needed some, uh, they had some, you know, bad luck go there, go against them towards the second half. So um, it's unfortunate for sure. I mean, there's nothing you can do about injuries, um, especially when they're, you know, ones like that to the finger and whatnot and the foot. Um, Rondo is out tonight. Is that right? Against the Clippers? Yes, that's right. So he's still, he is, you know, he's been dealing with a toe and then he, you know, re-injured it the other night. That's another Well, it wasn't a toe that he re-injured. Uh, he came back the other night and he landed awkwardly on, <laughs> I think it was Ayo Desunmu's foot, and now he's got an ankle sprain. Yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't a re-injure, but he was injured again, I guess, yeah. at that point. Um, same neighborhood, different development. That's right. Same neighborhood, different development. That lower extremity... Uh, is not doing well for Rajon. But again, he's another player that, you know, may not be a perfect fit, but a, a good fit is a backup point guard. And you're going to have to put a lot of um, a lot more pressure on Brandon Goodwin. And um, and Darius Garland is, I mean, you know, has been stepping up all year. And, and how is his back feeling at this point? He's feeling fine, but the Cavs are asking too much of him. And they know that. Um, I think part of the reason why some of these injuries are popping up here towards the end of the season and I don't know that this is anybody's fault. It's just kind of the reality of the situation and some of the circumstances that the Cavs had to deal with throughout the first half of the season. Um, they, they've been demanding a lot of their top players. They've been playing them a lot. They've been putting a lot of responsibility on them. And it's exhausting. It's tiring. 
And yes, Darius Garland is a young player, but he is a young player who is now seeing the bulk of the attention from the opposing defense. He is a young player who has basically the entire responsibility of the offense because there are very few players available right now that can run the offense, create shots for themselves, and create shots for others. So a bulk of that responsibility is falling on Darius, and it's mentally exhausting, and it's physically exhausting, and you can see it wearing on Darius. You can see it wearing on the team as well. Um, again, it's the reality of the situation that they're in, but his back is is fine. It's just the responsibility that that he has on a nightly basis is, I would say, too much. And I think the Cavs would say too much at this point. Yeah, but what else can they do if they're trying There's to get... nothing else that they yeah, can do. Exactly. It's the situation that they're in. Right. And maybe it's something that Gar- Darius will learn from, I mean, as he goes forward. But there's, you're right. They're kind of... They're in a really tough situation. And, uh, you know, you can say you feel for them because you do. But at the same time, I mean, they had such a good start. You know, it's been... I would say it has been kind of a regression to the mean to where like things were going so well and they were so many, so many games and everything was going in the right direction. And then, you know, it's, it's nobody ever wants to deal with injuries, but um, do you think that with everything happening, I mean, do you think that they can figure out a way to get, you know, out of that play in tournament? Can they stay above water? I mean, with these injuries, with Darius taking on so much, can they do it? Um. No, I think they need to get healthy. Yeah. Look, if, if Karis LeVert comes back and he could have something close to the kind of impact that the Cavs expected him to have, that would be a huge boost. It would take a lot of pressure off of Darius. It would give them another avenue to go on the offensive end. Um, Karis has shown himself to be a competent defender as well, so I think that would help their defense at the point of attack. Um, in In some ways, like if you look... Look at the starting lineup the other night against Chicago. And and this was a little bit wonky because Lowry Markinen hurt his ankle against the Miami Heat on Friday night, and he wasn't able to play against Chicago. But their starting lineup was Darius Garland, Isaac Okoro, Dean Wade, Kevin Love, and Evan Mobley. Isaac Okoro gave them nothing offensively. Offensively, I'm talking. Yeah. Uh, Dean Wade gave them very little offensively. And Kevin Love didn't have a great night in the starting lineup. So it basically fell on the shoulders of Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. Like, that's a lot of responsibility on those two young guys. So, and and it doesn't even have to be in the starting lineup, right? Like, it could be in a finishing lineup, or it could just be in a five-man lineup. If you replace Isaac Okoro with Karis LeVert, suddenly the defense can't operate the same way when guarding the Cavs. You know what I mean? Suddenly the Cavs have a little bit more of a ceiling offensively than they would with Isaac playing 34 minutes or Dean Wade playing 21 minutes. That's just the reality of it. That's part of the reason why Jetty Osman played 33 minutes, even though he struggled and went one of eight from three-point range and five of 14 from the field. They just needed another creator. They needed another shooter. They needed another threat out there offensively. Um, so if Isaac is going to continue to be essentially a non-factor on offense and Dean Wade is going to be um, somebody who is, is is not always aggressive looking for his shots, who is inconsistent at best in this particular role, 
Um, they're just not going to have enough offense. That's why they scored 91 points against the Bulls, a team that had allowed every single team since January 22nd to score at least 100 points. Right. Right. It's it, the offense is definitely not there. There's no doubt. And there's so right. if you if you can tell me that Karras is going to come back and he's going to be relatively effective, um, that is a big boost to the Cavs chances of holding off Toronto and Brooklyn um, and staying in the sixth spot in the Eastern Conference. Um, but if Karras is going to continue to be out or he's not going to be effective coming back from this sprained foot then my answer is probably a little bit different. It's the kind of answer that the Cavs don't want. It's the kind of answer that the fans don't want. Um, it's just a really, really tough situation to be in because the teams behind the Cavs, Toronto and Brooklyn, aren't going away. And in the case of Brooklyn, are probably going to charge hard down the stretch with KD back to being KD. Right. Cavs have 15 games left. And the good news for the Cavaliers is a lot of those are home games. Uh, including three this week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, tonight against the Los Angeles Clippers at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Um, like I said, the next three games are at home. Four games, five games. The next five games are at home. They got the Clippers tonight, 76ers on Wednesday, Nuggets on Friday, Pistons on Saturday, and then Monday, LeBron James and the Cavaliers come to town before the Cavaliers go to the Raptors. So the Cavs have 15 games left. They have the next five at home, six, seven, eight, uh, nine, 10. They have 10 out of their last 15 are at home, which yep. is good. Um, and they don't have any super long road trips. They have a trip to Atlanta and New York. Then they have one, as you mentioned, to uh, Orlando and New York. But other than that, they're pretty much at home. So they that helps. Which was a little tough there. I mean, you had the back-to-back Miami-Chicago back-to-back yeah. nights. Um, after, you know, taking on the Pacers, going to Philadelphia. I mean, it was a little bit of a, you know, a tough little road there. But to, to find themselves with 10 out of 15 home games the rest of the way is good. And if they can get healthy, it kind of, it does bode well in their favor. You're right about that. Um, and that's something that Kevin Love talked about following the game against Chicago. And it's something that the Cavs are, are certainly hoping um, can push them forward down the stretch and maybe summon some of this energy that they have. They're a very good home team. They're 20 and 11 at home, that's one of the best marks in, in all of the Eastern Conference in terms of at home. Um, and, you know, it's on them now, Hayden. And, and there are some tough opponents in this stretch. But it's on them when they have what could be considered a quote-unquote favorable schedule or a quote-unquote helpful schedule. They need to capitalize. <laughs> yes. You know? Because last time we had this conversation, right, they didn't capitalize. They lost to Detroit, and they lost to Houston, and they lost to Detroit again, and they lost to Minnesota and Charlotte. You know what I mean? So, like, the opportunity, let's put it that way, the opportunity is going to be there for them. Um, and they need to make the most of it. That game, uh, obviously, March 21st, uh, you know, circled on the calendar. Uh, yep. LeBron James, the Lakers coming into town. That's a game the Cavaliers probably should win, but the way that LeBron James plays at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, you don't know. And the way that he's played lately, I think he had 31 last night, even in a, in a terrible loss. Um, you know, 50 the last two weeks. I mean, 
remarkable what he's doing right now. It's it's it just I can't even put my head, wrap my head head around how good he's playing and how bad the Lakers are. So that'll be an interesting yeah. one. Uh, Pistons obviously not very good. Cavaliers should win that one. 76ers tough. Yeah, but they, well, I mean, they. You're right. They should win that one. They've had trouble. They have lost two games already this year. Two of the three against the Pistons. Which yes. you know when we look back at the end of the season. Um, and if, if the Cavs get the sixth spot or the seventh spot, you know, if it's the seventh spot as opposed to the sixth, part of the reason for that is because of a couple of losses against Detroit. It's crazy to think about, but those were, those were bankable wins that the Cavs squandered because the truth is like, you hope to go something close to 500 against the upper echelon teams and then take care of business against the bottom of the barrel teams. And the Cavs haven't done the second part of that equation. No, they haven't. And uh, <laughs> and this is their last meeting against Detroit, too. So yep. if they don't win this one, Aaron, I think that that's a that's a that's not what you want to lose to to lose these you know games to a Detroit Pistons yep. team. You know, Cade Cunningham playing very well, no doubt. But yeah, um, for sure. But come on, yeah. I mean, they're they're mathematically eliminated from playoff contention already, and there's 15 games left in the season. They're they're one of the worst teams in the NBA. Cavs, you got to win those games. The Cavs do play the Magic twice. Yeah. Also, who stink. Right. Completely. Cavs do play the Magic twice. They play the Knicks as well. They play the yeah. Pistons. The Hawks, the ninth seed, they do play the Hawks. So, again, the schedule is kind of in their favor, even if the uh, even if yep. the injury bug is certainly not. So, it's going to be interesting. Um, I think we're going to end up ramping up our podcast Um appearances here with Chris over the next couple of weeks as we kind of hit the last month of these NBA regular season to see if the Cavaliers can get that sixth or that sixth seed avoiding the play in tournament. Uh, but in the meantime, we're just going to wait for health. I think that's what the Cavaliers are going to, you know, hope for themselves. They need to get healthy. Yeah. So. I'm expecting, and this isn't me breaking news or anything along those lines because it's still 2.30. <laughs> It's still 2.30 when we're recording this, and I usually get, you know, a more firm declaration closer to tip-off. But I'm expecting good news when it comes to Karis LeVert tonight against the Clippers. Okay. All right. And his availability, at least. That would certainly help. That would certainly, certainly help if the Cavaliers were to get uh, Karis LeVert back tonight against Teron Lute and the Los Angeles Clippers. And here's something else that helps. The Clippers have a skeleton crew going tonight. Um, Robert Covington is out. Paul George continues to be out. Marcus Morris Sr. is resting. Reggie Jackson, who is having a good year for the Clippers, is resting. So, you know, this is another opportunity that we talk about. It, it's, it's a good Clippers team, and they're well coached by Ty, but some of their most important players are missing tonight. That would be correct. That would be correct. Um, I will be at the game on Wednesday, maybe Friday and Saturday as well. Um, oh, no, not Saturday, but Friday, certainly. And then Monday, the 21st, LeBron in town. So we'll see you soon at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. In the meantime, anything you got for us before I uh, plug your uh, plug the um, um, subjects? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think there's anything else that I have. Okay. Oh, I guess um, one other like just cleanup note. Yep. The Cavs were monitoring the situation of Drew Eubanks um, before they signed Moses Brown. They obviously had 
a long list of, of free agent centers that they were looking at um, to help fill in for, for Jared Allen and, and provide some depth in the front court. And obviously the Cavs felt like Moses was the best fit of available guys. I think it probably would have been Eubanks, but they had been getting the impression that Eubanks was going to get a third 10-day contract with the Portland Trailblazers, and he has gotten a third 10-day contract from the Portland Trailblazers. So Moses Brown was the guy that they went with. I would not expect a lot from him. He's 22. He's got some talent, but he's really, really raw. Um, I think the Cavs feel a little bit better about Ed Davis because he's been here for the remainder of the season. So if they need emergency backup center minutes behind Evan Mobley, I would expect it to continue to be um, Ed Davis until Moses Brown is up to speed or until the Cavs get a little bit more trust and faith in, in what Moses can give them. But just an extra body there to try and fill in the gaps for for as long as Jared's going to be out. Well, skeleton crew for the Clippers, but also it's been a tough skeleton crew of a second half of the Cavaliers thus far. So, But credit to Evan Mobley, because if you remember at the beginning of the season, the Cavs were saying, you know, we don't want to expose him to big time center minutes where he could get beat up physically. We want him to have a smooth transition from the power forward spot to the center spot. He's been forced to play center. It's obviously the position that he is comfortable with because he's played it his entire life. Um, but for him to play, uh, now he got outplayed by Bam Adebayo and he got outplayed by Nikola Vucevic. But for him to, you know, at the very least hold his own in those kinds of matchups and not look completely outclassed against those two players, I think it speaks a lot to how far Mobley has come since the beginning of the season. And I think it gives the Cavs a little bit more comfort playing him at center, um, regardless of the matchup, because a matchup against Bam was supposed to be one that was going to be tough for Mobley, right? A matchup against Vucevic was the kind that was supposed to expose Evan's lack of strength. And, and it did at times, but it's not like he was completely overwhelmed and obliterated out there. So I give him a lot of credit because the way that he has played at center for the Cavs in the absence of Jared Allen an all-star center, somebody who is vitally important to the Cavs' success. You know, Evan's done as good, if not a little bit better than could have been expected. I mean, his season has been remarkable. I mean, he's been he's yeah. been everything the Cavs have wanted and more. He does everything. Yeah, literally. it's It's been great. It's been great to watch him, and he'll only continue to get stronger. I mean, he's just a, he's a kid. He's you know he's gonna yeah. get he's gonna spend that he's gonna spend his off seasons working, and if he doesn't, you know, then you have an issue. But I think that you know he's obviously very young, and um, you know I don't look forward to the matchup on Wednesday night because Joel Embiid. I mean, I've said this before. Yeah, that's a lot. Ain't ain't nobody ain't nobody you know <laughs> bullying with that guy. I mean, that guy is a, he's a freak. I mean, he yeah. is just. He is. He has like 50, 60 pounds on both Allen and Mobley, and you know they're the Cavaliers. They're probably the one team in the NBA that could maybe try to you know mess around with them, and they can't. I mean, he's just that big. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough matchup for anybody, especially a twenty-year-old rookie who is listed at seven feet, two hundred fifteen pounds. Right. But, but think about this. I mean, Evan Mobley as a rookie. He ranks third in the NBA in contested shots. He's fifth in the NBA in contested shots in the restricted area. Offensively, he is first on the team in post-ups, second on the team in touches and elbow touches. He's second on the team in passes, third in assists and potential assists. 
and this is a seven-footer who plays power forward slash center. But that's ridiculous to think about the potential that he has moving forward. That it is. That it is. Excited to see. Uh, excited to see what he can do. No doubt. As we go, continue to go forward with the season and into the future. All right, Chris. I don't know if you're getting your game day nap in now, or we already yes. got. And so, all right. So get that nap in. I will see you on Wednesday. Um, thank you for joining us on the Wine and Got Wine and Gold Talk podcast, everybody. Appreciate you. Go check out Chris's Subtext, $3.99 a month. All you got to do is go to cleveland.com slash Cavs. Click the blue banner at the top of the page and your phone number, and you are good to go. 14-day free trial. Um, all the inside analysis you need sent to your phone. I'm sure if Garris LeVert plays tonight, it will be a subtext that you will get first before anybody else. So um, go sign up as soon as possible. And like I said, we will talk to you soon on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast as the Cavaliers continue to ramp up um, towards the playoffs. This is the push right here, right now. So if they can get healthy. You know, it's time to go. Appreciate you, Chris. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And we will talk soon. Have a great one.